Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is up? Welcome to episode number 372 of On the Court of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the caffeinated Nick Pollock. I, I hinted at iced coffee and you held up a mug. Yeah, I have coffee as well. It is 730, but it's a long night. I have so much to do before PL8. There's so uh, much. Yes. That's why I kind of want, we were going to do this a couple hours later, but then I selfishly was like, let's do it sooner. And Nick was like, I don't know, but I'm kind of happy we are because it's going to give you a night now. It's going to give you a night to do what you got to do. Yeah. I I have to, and I also have to get to this large project behind me, which I can't say what it is yet. Nick knows what it is. I can't share it yet. (laughs) It's the Emmy. Yeah. It's the Emmy. I really want to share this project. I'm so excited to talk about this project. Did you get the email that I forwarded your way? I talked with him on the phone yesterday. Oh, I hope Um, that works out. It, he was very, very helpful. What are, what are all these mysterious things about? I know. I this can't is, this say. This is the thing that Fast has taught me over the last six years. Nick, they mm. want to get the tease. Yeah. The tease, right? Get him interested. And even if it means in, in a week where you find out about it and you go, oh, that's what that is about. That's fine with me. But well, we want to get you hyped. If we, we do this so excited. much about the tease, the people are going to have a Boston Tea Party in revolt. <laughs> Oh, this is, we're already off to a good start, baby. Great we're already start. really Let's digging. Go. What are we up to today? What are we doing? We're doing 60, uh, 61 through 70. Um, a yeah. lot of fun names. We just came off the tier from heck uh, with, with a lot of people who hadn't pitched oh. in the past year. Oh, oh no. Gosh, what we happened? Get new, we get a new tier uh, theme. We get a new we're theme. Technic- we're, oh, yeah. No, we're no, technically no. still in tier nine. I you know, want a whole I new? Restart it. I restart it, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, you only oh, have man. two. Oh, you have three that you'll actually have to do this one. So I'll keep it simple. We'll keep it within a subsect of things. Just not Marvel films or superhero films. Not no, no, no. Uh, not monuments. No, <laughs> I like monuments. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be world wonders. It's gonna be world wonders. Okay, well, you what might you not remember to do with the other one. Okay. I did, and I kind of prefer it because you have. You already have eight to nine to choose from, right? Well, how many world wonders are there? There's seven. Seven. But then there's also the old world wonders, well, the ancient, right? Wonders of the ancient world, and actually maybe there's eight of the mod. Uh, the uh, to keep just go, yeah, okay, wonders of the world. <laughs> How many world wonders? So there's yeah, there there are seven world wonders, but then is it or maybe there's twelve? I don't know. You got you got a lot of options to choose from. Did you ever play that game? Was isn't it like World Wonders or whatever? Age of Wonders? No, it's not that. Um, wonders board game. No, it's not that. It's a board game. It's uh, seven it wonders. wonders. Seven wonders. Oh no. Yeah, I know of it. No. Seven Wonders yeah. you would like because it's like sped up. It's like Civ. It's like just uh-huh. like a fun 30 minute game of Civ. Anyway, we're talking about 61 through 70. We ended yeah. the last two tiers with Kyle Wright and John Gray. Or excuse me, last two, Kyle Wright and John Gray, 59 and 60. We're going to start at 61. So we're going to start this tier here. What yeah. world wonder are we at right now? 
Oh boy. Um, well, while I decide, I do want to remind everybody, uh, we showcase a thing called PL Pro and mm. uh, we're releasing that on February 7th. However, however, if you sign up today before launch and use code PitchCon, that is capital letters, one word PitchCon, uh, you get 40 bucks off and you get a dope mug that you get sent to you. Uh, look at the stream. It looks really good. I drink out of it all the time. It's actually in my water cup right now. I have uh, mine in so my cupboard now. It's it's the uh, limited edition early bird Ooh. special. Just something to consent, consider. Um, and go on the site, pretos.com slash premium. You can check out all the things that we have. But okay, there's the plug fast. Um, Love it. What is this tier? This, this world wonder. the yeah. Arthur of Rhodes. Um, <laughs> like the old picture? No, it's oh gosh, not Arthur of Rhodes, a statue of Rhodes. Oh my okay. god. <laughs> you just turned Arthur Rhodes, former <laughs> closer of the Baltimore Orioles, <laughs> who I believe blew oh a very big playoff game <laughs> into a world wonder. I'm laughing in a way that I normally don't laugh. That is <laughs> that's, so funny. That's unbelievable, Nick. That's yes, that's Arthur unbelievable. <laughs> Arthur of Rhodes. No, it's the it's a warrior of Rhodes. It's the um soldier of Rhodes, I think, is probably it. Um, you know what I'm talking about, the giant statue. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. At the at the bay. Uh the welcome is welcomes in ships. And the reason for that is because these are guys that look like they're sturdy, but they could crumble. Very good. Like Arthur Rhodes. Yeah, like Arthur Rhodes. Is the Colossus oh, of Rhodes. The- Colossus, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but still, the fact that Colossus, <laughs> and, I mean, really, that's A-plus stuff, Nick. We might just end this podcast right now. So we're we're going to start uh, the Arthur of Rhodes uh, with number 61. Now, you seem to have remarked that you, even you yourself were surprised that you put Jordan Montgomery so far back. Yeah. Um, we got a, he's, that's who number 61 is, by the way, Jordan Montgomery. We got a career high near 180 innings from him. We saw the K rate drop, the swing strike rate drop a little bit, not too much. Career best ERA, FIP, and Sierra, and WHIP. He comes to the Cardinals. This is the thing too, like, actually, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Are you, do you like compartmentalize and you say, okay, I'm going to look at Jordan Montgomery's season as a Yankee and look at his season as a Cardinal? uh, Because there is somewhat of a sample size for the Cardinals. Or do you just look at that entire season as a whole? Because there are some differences there. So mostly as a whole, uh, I mean, obviously I'm aware of his August where John Montgomery started throwing more four seamers and mm-hmm. we could say, oh, well, that's clearly, you know, everything that that happened with John Montgomery. He said, no, not so much. He, uh, he moved away from it after. I don't think that the four seamer actually is the secret to success uh, for John Montgomery, unfortunately. Um, and it's more about just trying to figure out how to get a strikes against right-handers. For the most part, the sinker is actually really good. John Montgomery mm-hmm. is excellent at jamming left-handers inside with them. I mean, he's incredibly precise on the inside corner uh, to lefties with that sinker. 77% strike rate last year with a 46% O-swing against lefties with that sinker. That's everything that you want uh, from that pitch. The problem is against right-handers, uh, you can't have the same approach. The sinker isn't nearly as good. I mean, it's average for a sinker against right-handers, which isn't actually so bad. But then you realize that sinkers are the worst pitch uh, in opposite handedness. So all mm. sinkers are generally not very good um, against them. His changeup and curveball are good pitches. They're not um, 
You know that how some guys have like a slider? It's like, all right, whatever. I'm going to throw my slider. I'm going to get a strike with this. I'm going to dominate with it, right? Sure. It doesn't feel like that with Montgomery. It's the most no. pseudo analysis. Uh, it's the most pseudo analysis I'm going to give, um, I think, in this podcast of just, I watched Jordan Montgomery pitch and it's just, it's a grind at times as he tries mm. to figure out how he's going to put you away as a right-hander in this at-bat. Um it's not very good. And the sinker stays away from right-handers and generally it just, that doesn't work. Yeah. I, he, at times he does elevate with four seamers against the uh, right-handers, but he tried to do that last year, 17% usage with that four seamer and Jordan Montgomery had just a 8.6% swing strike rate mm-hmm. uh, as he really did elevate, like no low location at all. Um, we're talking 14% versus 66% high lock. Right. And uh, that's not it. Um, I, I worry about it. Um, change up though, 24% swing strike rate. Curveball, 18% swing strike rate, but 60% strike rate on the curveball. Um, change up gets a lot of strikes. It's a little bit in the zone. Sometimes you get hit. Uh, 24% hard contact rate, 260 batting average. That isn't necessarily bad, but for what you'd want to be the pitch for Jordan Montgomery, like seeing a 35% CSW, but then he hangs some of them, and then it's like, oh, all right, there goes that at bat. And that's kind of why you have a 22% swing uh, strikeout rate despite a 14% swing strike rate for Jordan Montgomery. Um, it all adds up to just this guy that is should be good. I, I mean, as a 348 ERA, I think we can all kind of agree, was a little bit better than we expected. Same with the 109 yeah. whip. Um, Hipper 9 has not been below 8 before. It was exactly 8 last year, and that might get worse. Um, and then the 5% walk rate could be um, pushed back up towards 6-7%. So I don't dislike Jordan Montgomery. I think he's... Essentially, a Toby with a tinge of strikeout upside. Yeah. That's why he's above the other ones. But I don't really want to go and chase it because I don't really think that you're going to see a better season from John Montgomery in 2023 than you saw in 2022. In some aspects, for sure. Like, I do think that there could be steps forward with, with the K rate, right? Like, I think we can get him back are, to a 25% K rate. To a better season. I think yeah. it's a lower probability than I want it to be. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, some interesting things did happen with that four-seamer. I, I kind of agree that, like, I almost wish he would just go back to kind of, like, sinker curveball and drop the four-seam usage back down a little bit. I think the four-seam uh, numbers were a little bit smoke and mirrors. Like, he had, like, a, a, a 167 Woba on the four-seam at one point, and then the final month of the year, which did have a good amount of batted balls, it was a 428 Woba. Um, so I, I don't know if it really is the answer for him. He did make some interesting changes when he got to St. Louis and his St. Louis stats were fascinating. I know, you, you know, we talked about, um, just looking at the season as a whole, but in his St. Louis stats, 63 and two thirds innings, 311 ERA, 3.08 FIP, 24% K rate, 11.1% swing strike rate and a 1.08 whip. Oh yeah. That was I mean, kind drove, of interesting to see. Fans insane because his yeah. four starts returned one earned run. If you remember this, and then there was a bad yeah. one against Atlanta, but then the next two returned one earned run again. As the first team was utilized a ton more. Uh, in yes. that time. But Who got the last laugh in that there? trade though? Harrison Bader. How many times did I text you Harrison Bader? Uh, it's unbelievable. It was so fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> Unbelievable. Very good. Uh, very good. All right. Let's be a fifth starter now, right? No one has got hurt with his shoulder injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's move on to number 62. You know I'm out on him. Do you know the reason why I'm out on him? Why is that? Why am I out on Tyler Anderson? Yes. Because what team is he on? I know. Okay, fair enough. 
Now, listen, well, no, I, but be, development, though. Sure. Bill, it's maintenance. Monday had a nice season with the Angels. That's a good point. That's a very good counterpoint. To In me, it's just about maintenance. I, I'm being <laughs> I'm being a little bit facetious. Uh, you know, I, I Tyler Anderson goes to uh, goes to the Dodgers. He makes uh, a tweak with his um, uh, his changeup, and it returns just very very good results. A two twelve woba with a twenty one percent swinging strike rate, and that's absolutely what you love to see. And as a result, he amped up the usage to over thirty two percent. Honestly, one of those guys that you probably want to see just show up at camp and do the exact same thing. If yeah, not, right. maybe throw the change up a little bit more. Um, obviously, every single projection system has him falling back considerably uh, in the ERA department. Do you see, I, I imagine you don't see him being a 257 ERA, but do you see him being a low to mid three ERA guy, or do you see him regressing over a run and being a mid to high three ERA guy or higher in the 2023 season? I have to apologize. I am so distracted right now because I think Tyler Anderson looks so much like Rob Silver. Looks like and Rob I Silver? I can't get it out of my head. I can I see think, that. Yeah, I understand you that. Know, it's, it's just right there like he's staring at me. Mm. <laughs> what do I think about Tyler Anderson? Yeah, he's more like a 360 ERA guy. Um, okay. The changeup was really good, and I don't want that to go away saying, oh, it was just the Dodgers defense last year, and that's it. No, I mean, sure, that was part of it, but the changeup did really great things. However, he still had a sub-20% strikeout rate, and that's the, that's the thing I can't really get behind is, okay, you're just chasing ERA and whip here because this, the, the wins won't be as high on the Angels like it was with the Dodgers. 15-5 last year with 180 innings about. And sure, that comes down to 10-11 or so for the Angels. I mean, that's fine. That's, that's sure. But uh, total strikeouts last year were 138. And you got to think that's going to go down, um, if mm. anything. Yeah. Now, the changeup, I really do want to emphasize everything got better. O-swing went up six points. Swing strike rate went up five points. Uh it's all good. It's all wonderful stuff. Batting average allowed went down 80 points. Expected Babbitt, I believe, must have fallen as well. I have that here, and I don't know how I'm skipping it. Yeah, it went down 30 points, um, despite the Babbitt being much better. Um, lots more drop on the pitch mm. for Tyler Anderson's changeup. But right, the question becomes, the same thing I've been asking about Andrew Heaney was, when Tyler Anderson moves, the skill he learns doesn't go away. Sure. Yeah. But the coaching staff that helps him fix it when it's broken mm-hmm. is different, right? And that, yeah. that's an issue. So I, I'm kind of staying away from Tyler Anderson. Someone made a really good point. I think it was John Legaza talking about, like, look, a guy with a 257 ERA and a one whip, how many times have we seen that truly fall off the next year? Like, absolutely horrific season the next year. Honestly, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Um, so at the end of the day, yeah, if you have Tyler Anderson on your team, you know, I'm not gonna, I'd be happy to have him on my roster and starting him out of the gate. Do I think that I'm going to get an exceptional season from him? No, which means I don't want to spend much of my draft capital on that in these picks. We're getting to a point now though, that it's getting harder and harder to find something that I want to defiantly chase. Uh, this is a fun tier of some interesting guys. 
And I think it's about, all right, what's my roster construction right now? Do I have too many things that I'm chasing at this point? Do I need something to say, like, look, I want to get a start early in the season, and all right, I'll go with Tyler Anderson. Or do you want to go for something that's a little more of a ceiling with strikeouts and everything uh, that's going to be riskier and possibly you need to hold on to for 10 days or so before you get your first start? So it's up to you. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to rank Tyler Anderson higher because that's more value in the bank, theoretically. I, but I don't know if I'm actually going to be drafting him. I will say two things. One, I do think it's interesting. This very apt point about the the K rate stuff, where it's like it's not going to go up. It is interesting that he did get so many more whiffs on the the changeup. Yeah. Um, but the swing strike rate did not jump up, and neither did the K rate. They were both still sub twenty. I will say though that it. I don't think it's as uncommon as you guys were talking about for pitchers to do that. Aaron Nola had a season where he went from a very good ERA and a sub one whip to like a 127. Blake Snell, Blake Snell did the same Uh thing. It's not uncommon, I think, for guys to completely fall off. Right, but I I guess I'm attributing it more of um, to a point that we don't expect them to return like a top 30 season, right? There's that caveat too of just this good in one year and then we still just don't even like buy like not even top 50 starter the next year you know um to go along with it it's kind of interesting um the other thing i will say is the angels get the athletics for three games to start the year so tyler anderson i would imagine it's a Shohei otani and then probably tyler anderson uh maybe patrick sandoval read detmers yeah it's gonna be tyler anderson in one of those first three games so that's a Solid start to have the opening weekend while you're trying to sift through everything else on free agency and see who are the guys you're going to be picking up the first week. Where is it? It's in Oakland. Oh, baby. Love it. <laughs> um, all right. Great. Oh, uh, like, woke up my dog. There, I don't have a dog here, guys. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a weird lie. Uh, I would love that, like, if you're doing lying about owning a dog. Like, oh, what is it? Oh, baby. You know, like, wow, okay. <laughs> Uh, Arthur of Rhodes. Um, all right. So, <laughs> oh my God, this dumb brain of mine. Really Jesus. good stuff. Really good stuff. Now I regret not doing this at 11 year time because we could have had even more Arthur of Rhodes. Yeah, but you still got it. You still got it. Let's stick with the, uh, uh, well, that, that's a new angel. I guess now we can go to former angels who are now sticking with their same team and Alex Cobb. Um, oh, baby. Remember, it's the beginning of the 2022 offseason. We find out that Alex Cobb has a has a brand new sweet average fastball velocity uh, sitting up there at what, like 96, 97 miles an hour, sitting at 96. And then what some, you know, some people say just truly the unluckiest season in recent memory, right? But it kind of lasted for a full season, 150 innings of a 336 BABIP, still ended up with a 373 ERA, swing strike rate jumped down a little bit and took the K rate with it overall. But, you know, the thing largely, actually, I wouldn't say largely still there. It took some steps back from some of the uh, swing strike rates that we saw um, in the past couple of years. Uh, overall, the performance did pretty well, though, with a 248 Woba. So are you buying into, it's tough to say a bounce back because it was a 373 ERA with a 280 FIP. So let me rephrase it this way. Are you buying into an Alex Cobb season that more resembles last year's FIP? No. <laughs> Next. No. Um, also, look into his eyes and you'll see a thousand yard stare of just what he just went through. Uh, in San Francisco? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny. I remember this time last year, both of us were so excited about the Alexes, right? Um mm. and because both of them were throwing harder. And in 2021, the Los Angeles Giants defense was the best defense. And we're like, oh, Los my God, Angeles Giants. Oh, my Lord. What is life? <laughs> you, you just you just pissed off an entire state. Like, how did you take two fan, two fan bases that hate that, that hate each other more than anything? Like, what time is it? Seven fifty. like saying the New York Red Sox. I have another week of this fast. Oh my god! Wow. Let's try that again. What were you saying? No, um, I'm, I'm talking about the San Francisco Angels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, the the Giants, San Francisco Giants, had the best defense in 2021. We come into the season, we're thinking, oh man, it's the best situation. You're a Giants pitcher. You have this great defense. The park is wonderful. That we we trust the staff, like the the coaching staff, so much. Like, oh, any team that goes to the Giants are just amazing now. If, do you remember that? Remember that discourse? I mean, hundred percent. Some of it now with yeah. like some hype about Sean Benai. I don't know if I buy into it um, because I mean, uh, if I recall correctly, Cobb and Wood maybe Woods tried athletics, but I think Cobb is driveline. Mm-hmm. Um, that is more important for their velocity and their differences, not just going to the Giants. Totally. Um, and sure, Descofani had a nice season, but now we totally don't care for some reason because he's injured. But wouldn't he be still uh, someone we'd be hyped about? I don't know. It seems like a small sample of a lot of guys just doing well at the same time that happened to be on the same team. And that defense hmm. being so good in 2021 and not so much that the Giants coaching staff is all of a sudden the mega uh, tutors of the land. Um this is it. Just let me be fast. I, can be I didn't say the mega tutors of the land. I didn't <laughs> yeah. say anything. You know, I like saying phrases that are not run of the mill. Okay. It's I love it. More I love fun. it. I so love it. here comes Alex Cobb and he's like, I've got my fastball. It's harder now. Shazam. I've got my thing and my, my splitter Shazam. And then I have a curveball that I love to get early strikes with. Well, this is what happened. One, even though he's throwing harder, you get, he misses no bats with the sinker. I mean, really, it's a sinker still. And it's a 5% swing strike rate. And the YM lock, which you don't want to do, boys and girls, is a 34%, which is so bad. That's so bad. He doesn't get it down enough. Like, Logan Webb gets his sinker down all the time. Framber Valdez gets his sinker down all the time. Alex Cobb doesn't. It's a low lock of under 30%. Under a third of his pitches are low. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. You have a sinker. Yeah. You're not. You're not supposed to do that. So what happens to his sinker? Well, guess what? It has an expected BABIP, expected, of 337. Expected BABIP, okay? So don't talk to me about all the luck stuff. Three Expected 337. The very expected bull bacon of 378. That's not good. That is not good. Um, and I understand the FIP. Oh, 280 FIP. Well, the FIP, all it does... Is it says strikeouts minus walk rate essentially, and then what's their ability to, to hold back home runs? That's pretty much it. Um, with FIP, obviously, I'm oversimplifying here. Sure, and remember, hit per nine was 9.2. FIP obviously mm-hmm. tries to say, like, oh, you should just kind of have that normalized. That's not the case. All the aces that we see, they have hit per nines under seven. It was 9.2. It, this is not just. And overall, like, oh, Alex Cobb got unlucky, thus he is really good situation. That curveball, you know, he, you know what his early percentage is on curveballs? 
how often when he throws a curveball, how often it is early in the count behind or two strikes. 35% early. 35? Come on, you know that's not right. Too mo- Way too high. I was just getting excited. Oh, of all the curveballs he threw, how many of them are in early counts, do you think? Of all the curveballs he threw, how many are early in counts? Yes. Usually you see him later, so what? 45, 60. He is, uh, Alex Cobb is the ultimate show me curveball boy. Okay? Mm-hmm. 85%. What? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, we've seen that. Like Dylan Bundy would do that, right? Throw a no-o curveball or something, right? Try and get some free real estate. But that's the problem is that like you think you think like, oh, Alex Cobb has three pitches. No, he really has like two and a half pitches early in counts, really like three pitches early in counts. And then it's like two pitches later in counts. And a lot of times guys would just sit back and they're like, all right, if this is a curveball, we're going to sit back and mash this. That's why it had a 325 Woba last year. 35% hard contact. Right. And that's not good. That's not that good. Then the splitter, of course, a splitter would sometimes just wow us. 18% swing striker for Alex Cobb splitter. I mean, some days it was just like, <laughs> take over, do your thing, 44% O swing. That's wonderful. But because it had a 30% zone rate, it only had a 62% strike rate. You know what that means, right? What? It means that he has to throw more sinkers in the zone, which means that it's going to have that high profit because he's not going to throw his curveball later on in counts because he only throws it early. This is this is the problem to me of Alex Cobb. And I, I totally get people like, look, he struck out 24% of his batters, sub 7% walk rate, really high 338 Baba, which is the highest of his career, 316 in 2021 and 275 with Baltimore in 2020. I get it. But in all the last four seasons, his ex Babbitt is above 300. Hmm. It was a three last year. And I, I, I look, the, the left on base rate 70%. That's also part of FIP saying, oh, that should be normalized. It, it, this is a problem to me. Um, and I'm not saying that Alex Cobb is bad. I think he should be better. He still, despite all this, had a 373 ERA. But the 130 whip, you know, he hasn't had a sub 125 whip for a very Yeah, that makes time. sense. He's so ground ball dependent. That's- and I just, I just don't want to go into it so much. I do like the fact that he does get strikeouts because the thing that is the name of a splitter is still very good at missing bats. But there's a lot of volatility in the ERA and whip, especially with the Giants defense not being what it was in 2021. So I'm, I know there's going to be someone in my league that's going to be like, oh God, got to get Alex Cobb, got to do it. Yeah. I'm probably just going to sit it out. Wait, I want to return to what you're saying. It was an, what was the question? 80% usage of first pitch curveballs? 85% of the time that Alex Cobb threw a curveball, it came in an early count that is 00, 01, or 10. Oh, so, oh, oh, oh okay. So not just 00, because I just looked up the percentage of, okay, that's, that doesn't matter. Yeah, we define early as one of those. So within the first two pitches of a count of a, yeah, of an abat. But where do you even see, oh, because you're subtracting from the. A proud, oh my gosh. It's in the approach tab uh-huh. of a repertoire section. You see early behind. Oh, early. Sure. Okay. Got you. Interesting. Yeah. And there's a, um, there's a bug that we're fixing for PLA, if you're curious about it, that double counts, three, two counts. That's why behind and two strike. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. We found um, All right. It. Before we move on to the additional pitchers in this, uh, not top 10 list, in this list of 61 through 70. Yeah, definitely uh, not top a, 10. Definitely not top 10. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. 
Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. Well, I don't know if you can hear Tokyo going mad in the background. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I can't go out there and tell her to quiet down because she's she's freaking out about something. Oh, is Tokyo uh, dealing with Godzilla again? I, I, <laughs> very nice, very nice. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to uh, number sixty four here, which is Sunny Gray. Two hamstring strains kept him from surpassing one hundred and twenty uh, innings, along with a pectoral pectoral strain to boot. Nine year career, uh, it's been ten really, but not counting the rookie year. He's thrown over one hundred and fifty innings pitched just four times, which is a little bit shocking. Worth noting that in his roughly one hundred and twenty innings, though, he had his best ERA since two thousand nineteen at a three oh eight, with the best Sierra since twenty fourteen. For the first time since he was with the Reds, too, Sonny Gray took that four-seamer, threw it more than his sinker, and it was very good. 286 Wobo was the lowest of Sonny Gray's career on that four-seamer, which is pretty wild, considering it had the lowest average velocity of his career. Uh, 255 Babbitt was relatively low. Interesting to see he allowed a decent amount of hard contact on the pitch, but it just really didn't turn into home runs from him, which is probably going to regress. Returned a 50% ground ball rate, which is relatively high for him. Guys got a lot on top of that four-seamer from Sonny Gray a lot too. The curveball dropped in whiffs a bit, but he picked up more called strikes with it, uh, allowed more fly balls than ever. 53% of his fly ball curveballs were hard hit, which is not great, but the Woba on those hard hit fly balls was 469. Not a huge sample, but relatively low. I'm kind of a believer in the strides that he made when his four-seamer, he started to elevate it uh, a lot more consistently, just like he did in 2019, and the results were there as well. So I think he might be able to repeat that, but again, I don't really think we can bank on more than 130, 140 innings. So Sonny Gray has a very distinct righty versus lefty approach. Um, Righties, he does what you're supposed to do is be more sinker focused. However, that only really works in my view if you are jamming them inside or you can do the backdoor method of Aaron Nola and Garrett Whitlock. Yeah, Sonny Gray does not do a good job of this uh, in my view. Um, Now, he got away with it a decent amount. 230 batting average allowed with an X average of 225 this past year, 31% hard contact. Honestly, if you throw a sinker, that is really good. However, the model, oh boy, PLV absolutely hates this pitch so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, It essentially says it's on average a bad pitch. Um, We have those three buckets, right? We have quality pitch, average pitch, and bad pitch. Um, It's like right there at the four or five mark. Um, The four seamer? Uh, sinkers to right hand. The sinker, the sinker, oh, sinker um, to right hand. And he throws sorry. that 38% of the time. And this has actually kind of been something that I've talked about a bit with Sonny Gray, where there are nights where he needs to have success solely with his sinker and his four seamer. And those are not believable nights. If you think of Sonny Gray over the years, I mean, it's breaking stuff, right? It's the mm-hmm. curveball and it's the slider. 
He saves the curveball for uh, for right-handers. Oh, sorry, for left-handers, rather. And focuses on the on the slider against uh, right-handers. It's gotten worse against them. Um, dropped down all the way to a 15% swing striker after being closer to 20-plus percent in previous seasons. Uh, low strike rate as well. Just a 55% mark is not what you expect. And I think it's something that he's still struggling to get back. Uh, it's hard contact. was above... I mean, I mean, it was 6.5 and 4.3% the last two seasons against right-handers. And all of a sudden, it became 18% this past year. It's just not the pitch uh, that it used to be. It does give me some concern. Um, and I, I can't ignore the fact that also, like, Sonny Gray has not got 140 innings um, since 2019. A little bit of, of weirdness there uh, with his health. Overall, I, I think that Sonny Gray is good enough for you. Um I don't think that he, he, like, you put in Sonny Gray into your lineups, I don't feel as if he's this overwhelming, yes, I got Gray in my lineup, let's go, right? Mm. He's good. Sometimes not so good, but he's more often good than not. Um, and by the way, if you're curious about the numbers in the, on, against lefties, the curveball, good CSW rate, that's a really good pitch against lefties. The four-seamer is the, the pitch of choice, and he jams them up and in actually pretty well. I'll take it. Um uh, from four seamers to the lefties, he doesn't really throw the sinker against them wisely because it's not very good. He tries to surprise them front door. Actually, 30, uh, uh, 25% called strike rate. That's pretty cool. Um, so not so bad. But uh, but yeah, him against righties is a slider coming back. I'm not going to bank on it coming back. Uh, I feel like it's been something he's been struggling with a little bit. And yeah. it's a little too volatile, trusting the fastballs completely um, moving forward. So I'm kind of out on Sunny Gray, but I've actually seen Gray go late in drafts. Like, ignored a lot and all right i'll take a chance on the twins 24 percent strikeout rate last year was the lowest of the last four years even if it's 24 percent 120 whip and like a 375 era like all right i, I like it, it's it's the realm of sure i need to fill out my team sunny gray's not a bad one to go with as long as he's healthy man that rotation is kind of made a glass though between gray molly and pablo lopez that's that's a that's a rotation that's Should not they trade for tyler then Tyler Glass now. They should. They should do it now. Um, yeah, not later. Not later. Uh, the good old days. Uh, <laughs> that was like our first pun, right? I, I want to say it's the first pun of OTC was us calling him Tyler, Tyler Glass, Glass later. later as we wanted Jameson Tyone in 2016. And yet we haven't progressed in all those years. <laughs> Um, let's move to number 65 a guy I've seen a lot of uh, hype on interestingly enough uh, coming into the 2023 draft season and that is Brady Singer career high just three seasons you know three years on the bigs but career high 153 innings pitched last year jumped up the K rate to a career high 24% despite the swing strike rate jumping up a little bit brought that whip down to 1.14 which is a career best from him brought that ERA down to a 323 which is a career best for him Really good FIP as well. Really good Sierra. Uh, it seemed like he made some, you know, significant strides. Uh, we, we always knew that there was a, a, a good uh, slider there for him. Um, amped up the overall swing strike rate usage on the pitch and had a career best 289 Woba on it as well. The sinker took some positive steps forward and had a 379 Woba back in 2021, turned into a 311 Woba last year. Um, not a pitch he's really going to be relying on for swinging strikes, but gets a decent amount of called strikes on the pitch and is able to mitigate some of the hard contact on that pitch, although doesn't really do a wonderful job of mitigating hard contact overall uh, as the slider picks up about a 26% 
uh, hard contact, uh, which isn't terribly out of the question for a guy who's going to be throwing it all that much. He's a two-pitch pitcher. He showed a changeup a little bit last year, about 7%, um, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it, it was a career high, but wasn't really great for him. So I think he's going to remain a two-pitch pitcher. Uh, are you expecting an ERA that resembles a mid to low three, or you think he's bouncing back more towards the four range in 2023? I mean, this is this is one of those guys, in my view, that the season ended at a certain point where the pendulum was down to 323 year mm-hmm. Right there, this happens all the time. Uh, where we just where's the cutoff point of the season? Right? Are they going one way? Or are they going another? There's this beautiful vision we have of players where you see the end of the season number, and that's just who they were for the entire yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what it was. Uh, Brady Singer to me is a cherry bomb. Um, and I don't think he did anything dramatically different, believe it or not, in 2022 versus 2021. The biggest, I will say, is the slider getting more strikes um, as he threw it a a bit more in the zone from 39% to 43%, uh, went up to about a 68-69% strike rate, which is a big deal for him. He also increased the strike rate on his uh, sinker a little bit more. So Brady Singer, having those two pitches, threw more strikes, and thus the walk rate went from 9 to about 5.6%. But he also allowed more hard contact, if you can believe it, 25% to 28%. Uh, that's I, I don't know if that really justifies the 10.3 to 8.2 drop in hit per nine. And I mean the whip at 114 looks wonderful. You know, you think, oh my gosh, he's got low walk rate, the whip is 114, he's got this 24% strikeout rate, and he's young, and maybe he you know figures something out and he takes a step forward. Sure, maybe he does. I, uh, it's always the hardest thing of, I don't know who's going to take necessarily the step forward. What I see is a two-pitch pitcher where, oddly enough, I don't think the slider is truly elite. Uh, 26% hard contact allowed. Uh, PLV has it actually as kind of average, uh, which is shocking to me because I went into this saying, like, oh, yeah, Brady Singer has a really good slider. But, yeah, he does make a lot of mistakes with it. Um. It's not as elite as I want it to be. While the sinker, I mean, the location-wise, it's just the entire zone. Literally, I'm looking at it right now. It's just, it's my nephew trying to stay inside the lines. <laughs> and uh, it's it's just trying to set up the slider. It's a cold strike pitch all the way through. That's yeah. why I see a 32% CSW, but a 6% swing strike rate, right? So I, I, I'm conflicted because what is my rule when it comes to two-pitch pitchers? You need to have two elite pitches for me to trust yeah. you. The changeup is absolutely not a thing. No. How elite are we considering the sinker and slider? And I'm not I'm not doing it. So yeah. I'm gonna be hesitant on Brady Singer. I want someone to tell me where the next step is because the sinker isn't really gonna make any gains in the CSW department. I don't think so, at least. It's really hard to see. Maybe he gets to some of the swing strike very right back and keeps this call strike. I don't know, but that seems <laughs> all right. Whatever. Yeah, That's fine. Um, the slider is a sub twenty percent swing strike pitch. At least it has thus far, and likely is going to stay there. Um, it's kind of the same pitch again. So unless he learns a change, it's actually good, <laughs> or I, I don't know. I don't know what. Um, he's kind of the same thing. So I'm out. I'm not in. 
Yeah, some other interesting things to note because I think a lot of people would point to the you know the, the disparity in the first and second half ERA went from a four point oh two ERA in the first half to a uh, two point five three ERA in the second half improved the WOBA over that time to three twenty six to two seventy six but also drastically increased the left on base rate as it shot up to about eighty two percent with a mm. two ninety BABIP which is relatively low for him so I think that explains a lot of the the good strides that he made in the second half the Royals also let him get to the third time that the order pretty frequently. And as you would expect with a guy who has two pitches, neither of which are particularly elite, got hammered through t- third time through the order. I mean, he went from a 213 ERA the second time through the order to a 623. You should stop drinking in between innings then. Yeah, exactly. He just got so hammered. He went to a 379 Woba too. And, you know, obviously it's a 34 inning sample, about 35 inning sample. So take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but that, that doesn't surprise me. I also just, you know, I... I joke about the Angels. I got to joke about the Royals, too. I don't ever see any development coming from those guys, like legitimate development coming well, from them. the worst five for you? The worst five. That's a really good question. Oh, so, so, like, Angels. Yeah, Angels, Angels Royals. I mean, Royals, okay. Um, Nationals. I don't oh, yeah, think Nationals. I s- you've definitely you've definitely been down on the Nationals. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see them necessarily developing. A long time ago it was the Pirates. I think the the jury's still out, but I don't know if I would Man, uh What are they doing in there? Are they okay? Do they have any water? <laughs> uh not the D-backs anymore. Um I'm yeah. looking at all, the the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, Rockies. That was they're, they're, yeah, that's four. They're really not going to. Um I I've got one more if you need it. Yeah, who's who do you think is the last one? I mean, I would say it's the Rangers. Yeah, that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I knew I knew you'd agree with that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I'm always harping on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't say the Orioles, honestly. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, last year, I 100% would have. Last uh, year, I 100% would have. I just had to just slip it in there, you know? Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, all right, let's move to number 66, which is also the introduction of a brand new tier. We're going to get three tiers in this podcast, which is very rare. What wonder of the world is this tier? And I have the whole tier. I can read it out. Patrick Sandoval at 66, Edward Cabrera at 67, Jose Barrios at 68, and Trevor Rogers at 69 what's it called and why is it called that you're spoiling it to all of them all right. i'm sorry but we got to do it that way wonders of the world um i mean i can do ancient i can do whatever right i've got the whole mm-hmm. you could even mix um, in an old orioles closer into the uh ancient <laughs> wonder of the world uh, <laughs> uh, i'm trying to even remember who they were Our, oh i see yeah um Armando, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Armando Benitez. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, we're gonna go with the Coliseum because everybody's gonna circle up to watch these guys perform. Oh, okay, great. So uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's start then with Patrick Sandoval, a guy that you know we've kind of fluctuated on back and forth with the you know with the changeup and what his other pitches are and his other offerings and whether they're going to be able to take a step forward. The innings oh. did take a wait, step forward. Wait, wait, I've got a much better one. Okay, great. Go ahead. It's Christ the Redeemer. <laughs> Why? Because they need to redeem themselves fast. Like Barrios and Trevor Rogers and Patrick Sandoval in here. Well, come on. I don't know if Patrick Sandoval necessarily needs to redeem Patrick himself. Patrick Sandoval he- was drafted way higher entering last year. He put up he a 291 there. ERA. And? Over 150 innings. And? Yeah, 134 whip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. God, how did he I'm have that whip in that little John reference there? But I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. But that's mm, mm. all right. So keep going, please. 
How did he have a 134 yeah, whip right? with a 291 ERA? His but even look, went up 1.3. Uh, it's a six, yeah. 8.4 from 7.1. You know, and the walk rate was still at 9.5%. Can't do that. But still, it's <laughs> not even a, it's not it's not a it's not a high left on base rate. Um, I guess it's all just Babbitt fueled. I wonder if he just got singled out. I want to see the high, uh, how many. Uh, perc- thanks for using my thing. Um, three hundred seven expected Babbitt, three twenty Babbitt. Um, left on base rate was fine at seventy seven percent. He didn't allow home runs. And generally, when you see a gap between ERA and WHIP like this, it's because their hits are not home runs. So mm-hmm. you're going to see a low home run fly ball rate, um, which is why FIP is going to like him, but XFIP is going to hate him. Sierra is probably going to hate him too. I. Uh, with Patrick Sandoval, what's really interesting about the Irish Panada, that's the inside joke for all of you wonderful PL readers. Uh, the changeup got worse and the slider became the pitch. And that's weird because the changeup was the reason why we have that 32 whiff shirt uh, from 2021 when he won against the, the Mariners. 24% uh, swing strike rate overall, but it was some nights it was there, some nights it wasn't. Uh, 29% in 2021. So it's still missing bats. But a lot of times he just kind of floated this thing. And it really bothered me watching him. Uh, CSW fell down five points because of it. Strike rate went down as well. It got hit a lot more. Sandoval's uh, changeup had a 215 batting average as opposed to the 140. Um, but the slider did step up to be a near 70% strike rate, which is huge. But he still gets it like too much into the zone. 44% zone rate. I actually don't know if I want that from Sandoval slider. I want that to be more of a, you know, lean on that 44% O swing. I want this to be more than a 19% swing strike rate pitch uh, because it did have 21% hard contact. I feel like that can be a sub 15% one, be a little bit better. Now, oh boy, the fastballs. Oh my gosh. I, you know, call him a guardian of the galaxy if you want, <laughs> but he has terrible heaters with good secondaries. Mm. And uh, it's a galaxy because it's the angels. I, I thought I, in my head, I felt like celestial beings and galaxy was like the same. It's fine. Um, sure. Uh, it doesn't make it nearly as much sense. I thought it was brilliant. Anyway, it's okay. Uh, it cannot be winners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the fastballs are just not good. A 381 average allowed on the four seam overall, which is so bad uh, with a surprising 216 on the sinker as he did get it arm side when he needed to. Uh, a decent amount. So it all adds up to somebody that I think, once again, is a cherry bomb. You're going to have these brilliant nights with pa- Patrick Sandoval. You really are. But uh, I I love having guys on my roster that I can make decisions on, and I just can't make a choice on Patrick Sandoval. He definitely has breakout potential. I'm not going to ignore that. And I think in some ways he is more than other guys on this. More than, I think, Jordan Montgomery and Brady Singer. But I think we're not going to know about it. It might be one of those that you look down in August, like, wait a second, he's actually doing this well? I don't really know because it feels so, it feels like such a struggle when you roster him a lot. So he has a high potential of being a hip or headache inducing pitcher, stepping the entire roster instead of a, a solid, like, I'm so happy I have Sandoval week to week. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, he can be that breakout if he bring if he has the whip that he had in 2021. If he has a 118, if he has a 118 whip and a sub, you know, near three ERA with a slightly higher K rate, he's he's just Lance McCullers, right? Yeah, it's it's just the man that changeup just has to get more strikes. It's just gotta get more mm-hmm. strikes on that, so he doesn't have to throw the four seamer sinker as much. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Before we move on to the other pitchers in this tier and wrap up this podcast, we're going to take another quick break. And we're back with a, an exciting arm that we saw debut in 2021, but uh, actually get rookie eligibility in 2022. And that's Edward Cabrera. Listen, anytime you can see a, a pitcher who throws a changeup at 98 miles an hour, which oh, is 96. I thought it was 96 fast. Did you the highest I see here was 97.6. I remember you, you DMing me when he hit through the 96 in Colorado. It was insane. Just, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. I, I like, I remember like triple checking if that was indeed yeah. a changeup. Yeah, and it was, was a changeup. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Power changeups. The name of the game. Oh, Oh, dun, 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 dun. what if I just did that for 20 you know, minutes? You know what's really funny? Today, mm. actually, I put out a tweet about what a PLV 10 looks like. Okay. Um, and of course, I used a Sandy Alcantara changeup, but it was yes. a brilliant one. There actually was another I could have used, and it was an Edward Cabrera changeup down and in in a thir- three and two count. That was right on the corner, a 92 miles per hour. Um. And so he has that potential. You know, I'm looking at our PLV chart right now for him, and I see all the way on the right, there are some that are tens there, but I mm-hmm. also see some that are zeros and ones and twos. And he's inconsistent. This is the problem yeah. with Edward Cabrera. He's just really inconsistent. And I don't believe yet. I mean, this is the this is the struggle I have. Is like I see I get ex- as excited as anybody watching Edward Cabrera put it together, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all know how good he can be. But now I also need to tell you, do I want to roster this on my team? Because believe it or not, I his last five starts, I mean, sure, only two of them were above 90 pitches, but none of them had more than five strikeouts. It's really four of them um, for most of them. I mean, he had three innings of 5Ks finally at the end, but uh, 97 pitches, 4Ks, 98 pitches, 4Ks. Yeah. 99 pitches, 4Ks. Um, yeah. it, it's... A ton of walks. All of these have at least two walks in them. I actually remember like the scatter plot of his fastballs being like, what is going on? 50% strike rate on his four seamer last year. 50% strike rate fast. That's, You've heard yeah. me say strike rate enough know, yeah. in these podcasts. That's you know remarkably that's ridiculous. low. See, yeah. now you get it. You're there with me. Everybody listen. You guys know that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It can't do that. In a bad way, by the way. Yeah, that, that's, that's not good. So I, I just... I find this being another cherry bomb as somebody that I'm going to have my roster and hope for the best. And I won't know if I need to drop him or not for something else. And that paralyzation is terrible early in the year. So I'm, I'm not really that excited to draft him. I'm okay to again. All right. If I had to take, this is the chance I got to take. Okay, cool. Let's go and chase this one. But I, I see this mostly being a headache through the year. Get a 91 Babbitt on that four seamer. That's simply yeah. unbelievable. It is just kind of crazy to see a guy with, you know, with that velocity on both his four seamer and his changeup. And, and even with a, with a curveball that comes in much harder than normal, just not get the K's really. So, so you're saying a 91 Babbitt. That's interesting because he, there are 40 plate appearances that ended with Edward Cabrera's four seamer last year, right? Mm-hmm. Two of them, or one of them was a single. And one of them was a double, and that's why it's two over four hmm. uh, is essentially that. But he had four home runs. Interesting. Okay, so that doesn't right. include him, Babbitt. That's not, not yep, luck. Yep, yep, yep. Fence, there's no luck there. 
So funny. That enough. is very interesting to see. Um, yeah, I, I can understand where your hesitation is coming from. It's also, there is, you know, he had two, I believe, bicep injuries that kind of sidelined him for the mm-hmm. better part of a season. And to me, like guys who already have those kinds of injuries throwing with the velocity that he does always has me a, a little bit concerned. Um, but then again, you know, if I'm going to detract from the angels, uh, you got to give props to the Marlins who have been able to show that they can develop some of these guys to help them take the next step. Um, so there is that possibility there for him, but listen, there's no way we're seeing a, a 107 whip, uh, uh, you know, especially with that walk rate, which I don't think is really going to yeah, uh, go like down to a 207 BABIP and a 5.6 hit per nine. Sorry. I remember yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah, but it is exciting. It really is exciting to watch. Uh, let's go look at number 68, Jose Barrios. I mean, unarguably the lowest Jose Barrios has ever been on a on a top 100 list at the beginning of the year, but for good reason, right? He, he struggled a lot last year. Um, it was not pretty. The numbers he ended up putting up for your team is you got 523 ERA. I mean, I remember over the course of the season thinking about trading for him because being like, okay, it's been poor, right? But there's no way it could be this bad. A seven ERA in May, a 628 ERA in June. Then he bounced back in July and you're like, all right, see, he finally figured it out and then just regressed even more in August with a 692 ERA over 26 innings pitched. I mean, the whip, a 142 whip from Jose Barrios with a sub 20% K rate. We used to argue that this was kind of like, what, Mr. Mister, You know, uh, Reliable? And, well, what's his name, Fast? The, the, the man who's always there. <laughs> <laughs> the man who's always there? <laughs> yeah. yeah what, what's so and funny? This year. That's your nickname for him. No. The Great Undulator. Thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah. man who's always there. That sounds <laughs> creepy. That sounds like the horror film that's coming out in a month. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. boy. Um, and it's funny. Last year, he was truly the Great Undulator. Normally, yeah. I talk about that being more good than bad, but still bouncing back. No, he actually was pretty much half and half good or bad for your team. Uh, which is kind of wild because everyone's like, oh, he was so terrible. It's like, well, even though he was terrible, 523 ERA, 142 whip, Barrios was still good half of the time for you. Um, and the problem I see is that his four-seamer allowed 45% hard contact with a 382 average last year against lefties. And his sinker allowed a 39% hard contact rate against lefties. He was really bad against lefties last year. Uh, that yeah, hard contact in previous years with the four seamer was twenty seven percent and thirty percent. So stop, stop throwing the ball over the plate and allowing mm-hmm. them hit, to hit it. That's it. Ta da! Wow. I mean, it's, it is it is kind of funny to me how it's it's actually that simple at times. Uh, we think like all these things like okay, could have been this, could have been that. I don't know. He still had a thirty nine percent CSW on his curveball against against lefties. Like, that's still really good. He was able to backdoor it for called strikes. And then he was able to get a decent amount of whiffs down and in by the ankles, right? Underneath the zone, down and in. And that's exactly what you want to be doing with your stellar breaking ball. Uh, his changeup is still fine. I, I will never tell you that it, his changeup is the thing that I look for. But it wasn't like this, oh, no, what was me? Uh, business is bad pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a my big fat Greek wedding reference. You're welcome. Uh, so... What I see from Brios is all right. Are you going to get your fastballs back in order against lefties? Can you figure that out? 
I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I'm willing to roll the dice a little bit to say that he maybe got unfortunate with how bad it was at times. Um, I also, I think, identified that batters really were aggressive against him. And uh, especially lefties. And when they realized that, like, they they absolutely capitalized on him. Mm. So maybe there's something to be said about throwing fewer fastball strikes early in in counts and trying to be more aggressive with the curveball or the changeup as a lefty or elevating a little bit uh, with that four-seamer. Um, it, it's interesting. I think there are tweaks to be made, is my point. And do not just all of a sudden call Barrios a lost cause. Why did he... I'm looking at his uh, his pitcherless player page and going under approach and his four-seamer. You seem upset doing it right now. <laughs> well, no, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to assess what's actually going on here because yeah. it seems like he... He changed his approach with his four-seamer in that he elevated arm side a lot, a lot more. Like, I wonder if he was trying to jam um, lefties. righties. No, uh, lefty. Oh, yeah. No, righties. Arm side elevated. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if he did. Uh, he did a little bit. I'm, I'm seeing the, the strikes on plot right now. Yeah, he did try to do that more so with righties. Uh, it's arm his arm side location against righties went up five ticks. It's high lock went up ten ticks. Uh, but not, I mean high lock was still thirty nine percent high location for Brios's four seamer against righties. Man, you know you're a baseball nerd when you have like five different descriptors for some number you just gave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was just trying to take a look real quick and see. I so I always get confused about the uh, locations here on Baseball Savant. Yeah. Okay. So he allowed a four forty four on arm side four seamers. Four forty four woba on arm side four seamers, which is when it's not, into play. Uh, uh, no, four forty four. Add sorry when it ended in that bat. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when it ended in so, so the reason I always want to say that is like, I don't know how many pitches he threw into it um, and how many resulted in something. Yeah, 25 uh, hits. 44, that means like four out of nine. Oh, no, Woba, I apologize. Not uh, not average. Um, But uh, but yeah, maybe maybe that is just like he tried to do it every time he got hit. Maybe sometimes he it worked and they got called strikes on it or maybe fell balls on it. And then when batters were able to to do something with it, they actually did damage on it. I don't know. That, that's interesting. Maybe that was a bad approach for him. Uh, yeah. My my full takeaway is that there are adjustments to make, and it's not like he's just broken as a starter. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, man, it really did seem like he got hammered much more so than league average on arm side fastballs, um, considering... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a hundred point higher Woba. Anyway, that's not the most accurate comparison. I digress. Uh, let's take a look at number sixty nine. Another person who came into the twenty twenty three season with relatively high hopes and did not deliver on those high hopes. As a matter of fact, really fell significantly from those high hopes. And that's Trevor Rogers. Just one hundred and seven innings with a five forty seven ERA, a, a swinging strike rate that jumped down three full percent, a K rate that jumped down six full percent and a 1.5 whip here's the good news it can't get worse uh because if it does he's probably not pitching anymore um are you anticipating a significant bounce back season from trevor rogers yeah i think his stuff's really good against lefties uh slider and changeup both grade very very well um and four seamers average against them he threw a lot of mistakes as a four seamer last year but also threw some brilliant ones uh and then uh against righties 
I think there's room to grow. I think utilizing the slider a little bit more, 15% usage, uh, despite having an elite four se- uh, slider, I think can go up. It's, again, it's the same thing I was talking about. Please just throw sliders against opposite hand batters. Okay, thanks. Uh, changeup wasn't as good as you would think, um, uh, lefty versus righty. Generally, we see that being a very effective thing. Think like Hyunjin Ryu or Jeffrey Springs, something like that, down away, just destroying guys, Martin Perez. And for Trevor Rogers, it wasn't as good. Um, and that's really the element I think that it can get better uh, for Trevor Rogers in 2022 is the four seamer and the changeup weren't as exceptional as we want them to be. And I honestly think they can be. Uh, for example, the changeup was way better against right handers in 2021. So if that's all it takes, I think he can get back to that. I mean, 20.7%, sorry, 20.7% swing strike rate in 2021 for that changeup overall versus the 13% um, in 2022. That's, oh boy, you got, we got it. We got to get that. And it did, it did uh, go more glove side than usual, the location of that changeup. And we wanted to get that more arm side. That seems like if that's all it takes for Trevor Rogers to be back, that can happen. That that's a tweak that I feel like you can work on that one and fix that. And that kind of gets me excited a bit. Uh, I find myself wanting to lean in on Trevor Rogers a bit. We talk about you know the negative coaching staffs, right? That you will avoid. What's the one that you're excited about, especially when it comes to changeups? Fast. Yeah, it's the Marlins, and you're on mute, so no one heard that. And <laughs> Oh, because uh, I opened it, the door to let the dog out. It is the yeah, Marlins, so I am happy the that he, yeah. yeah, I saw you say it, but no one no one knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows but me. Um, so I think that it's here uh, for Trevor Rodgers. Now, the question does become, who are the Marlins going to let get the number five spot? I think it should be Trevor Rodgers uh, instead of Edward Cabrera. But right now, oh, no, I'm being really dumb. They got rid of Pablo Lopez. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's Rodgers and Cabrera. Please excuse me. But what if Sixto Sanchez is amazing in the spring? I mean, Sixto Sanchez, it doesn't, it's not as if they don't have a, a slew of really good pitchers in their minor leagues, Yuri too, could theoretically jump. Uh, Braxton Garrett. Trevor yeah. Rodgers should have a rotation spot. He should be the number four here. Um, and if that's the case, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, this is the annoying part. If Trevor Rodgers is the number four for the Miami Marlins, guess what his first start is? Who? Dodgers. Mets. It's the Mets. Mm. Ah, I don't want to necessarily do that. And it's really annoying. But if I'm going in on Trevor Rodgers, it's likely because he has a solid spring to back it up. And I'm going to buy in past that first start. So I'm a little hyped about him. I might have him a little bit higher um, over Edward Cabrera, for example, um, by the time I put this out next week. Because I think that tweak of that changeup, just get that location a little bit better. And they can unlock a lot of stuff for him. He's, he's going pretty low in drafts to around pick number 240. So um, that's actually a little bit higher than I thought considering his year last year. But that's not enough where if you get him and he doesn't succeed, it's going to really burn you, in my opinion. So Absolutely it's kind of a nice... I mean, a, a nice all that, that's all that we're playing with right now. Right? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. okay, this doesn't work. Goodbye. We're all trying to find it now. Imagine like yep. it's the first, it's opening day at this point, And you're just trying to find things off the wire. That's how you should be treating this. Yeah. Um, this last picture, number 70, is a picture that makes sense with where he's at, considering he 
doesn't really have a fantastic ERA. He has an okay whip. He doesn't really get a lot of strikeouts and he hasn't really accrued more than 180 pitches or innings, excuse me, in his entire career. And that's Jose Urquidy. Uh, doesn't really necessarily paint a pretty picture, but knowing what I know about how you like to analyze pitchers and where you like to draft pitchers, I can understand why he's a little bit later. Theoretically, you know, we've seen him have a better whip in three years than this 117, right? So it wouldn't surprise me to see that whip go down a little bit. But again, not much there in the strikeout department overall, and probably not, uh, I don't know if he's ever really going to take steps forward to be a 23, 24% K rate. I just don't sound, doesn't sound like the pitcher that Jose or Kitty is ever really going to be. Um, despite the fact that he has some pitches that do get, you know, 15% swing strike rates, but has a curveball that, you know, isn't really meant for for getting whiffs. What are you thinking about Jose Urquidy? I think Jose Urquidy is just a really solid pitcher playing for a fantastic team behind him. Mm. Uh, and that the Astros trust more than Luis Garcia. And I, I, I look at the 117 whip and the 20% carry, and I just think there's more. Uh, following him last year, Jose Urquidy, 164 innings, by the way, and that could go up to 180. Um, I, I felt like he was trying to figure out how he was supposed to get his outs, right? There were some games that the four seamer got 10 whiffs all of a sudden. I'm like, what? That's not, that's not you. But then another one where he's mixing in the changeup and the curveball and the slider. And then like, but like, yes, this, this is it. This is how you're supposed to do it. So I, I see a world where Jose Arquita, I mean, look against the Red Sox, for example. Oh my gosh. Lorsch. Sorry. Um, he had five changeups down and uh, for whiffs that were then the slider was there. The, the, the four seamer was up and in through their lefties. It was beautiful. Curveball has fallen in for strikes. I can see this. I mean, he has the potential. He had multiple 10 strikeout games um, uh, in last season. Like it's there for Jose Urquidy to turn that on. And I think a full season of health and being in that rotation and confidence, I think, Jose Arquiti could actually be more than just what is a Toby at the moment of like a three night ERA 117 whip and a 20% K rate. Still also good win potential as well. 13 wins last year for Jose Arquiti. I, I see him as like, all right, I need another starter. Hmm, okay. I guess I'll go with Jose Arquiti and just see how this goes. That's yeah, why I have him where I do. Um, he was also, he was for a moment, a PLV darling. I, uh, or at least with our projections, then we're like, oh, no, 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 we have to fix this and this and this. And I was like, okay, never mind, get out of here. I was like, okay. <laughs> we still like him more, I think, than your standard projection system um, based on just like the overall kitchen, a sink approach that he has and how a lot of them grade pretty favorably. Uh, and with that team defense and then with the one potential, et cetera. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's just solid. Yeah, I mean, technically he's the five right now. Could be Luis Garcia, who is the five. Hunter nah. Brown's behind him. Forrest nah. Whitley technically still exists. Nah. Um, so <laughs> uh, I, I would be very surprised if he wasn't so solidly in that rotation at the, oh, at yeah. the start of There's the year. No way. Yeah, I agree. Um, Nick, we did it. We made it through it. your top 70. Again, for people listening, better to think of this more about an in-depth analysis of each pitcher as opposed to a definitive ranking as yeah. these are subject to change, Sorry. but they shouldn't change too much. Yeah, um, no. I mean, I, I would be shocked if I had a guy like jump like 20 points or something like that. I mean, maybe no, down yeah. here, I'm like, you know what? What am I doing? I'm going to take a chance on this one. 
True. But really, it's around like the 60s. 50s to 60s is where you might see some surprise names that we're talking about later on. And I go, you know what? I really want to buy into this one. But nothing's mm-hmm. going to be like top 30 or top 40 that wasn't before for the most part. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be different on the launch day next week. Um, the next podcast you hear, I think, is going to be launch day. Oh, wow. Um, which is, oh, boy, fast. Like, the world it's is here. changing around us. People are going to be able to see PLV on player pages. That's very you're exciting. All the pitches, you're going to see PLA. You're going to see all this stuff. And you can, if you don't know what any of it is, of course you don't. All I had was a PitchCon presentation. I will have a podcast out on launch day next week. That is uh, a agnostic feed. That is it's just the Pitchless podcast feed, and explaining all of it. And then we'll have lots of articles throughout February talking about the different things we're working with it. So looking Dope. forward to that fast. It's going to be great. Yeah, Papa. It's going to be great. Uh, but that is going to do it for episode number 372 of On the Corner, the official PitchList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys when PL8 launches. 